I won the bet, and as my prize, Lucas and Lawson have to watch any movie that I picked out, and I chose for them to watch one of my favorite movies, the One Direction documentary. Like a psychopath. (laughs) That's good. Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. Alright, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. Alright, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy. Welcome, everybody. This week, we are talking about the fastest movie to make a billion dollars at the box office, Avengers Infinity War, the 19th nineteenth movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But before we get into that, let's introduce ourselves, and let's tell everybody what movie from the Marvel Cinematic Universe have you seen the most? I'm Sandra Omstutz. I am a social media manager in Nashville, Tennessee, and I've seen... The first Avengers movie, I think three or four times. I know one of those times we watched it while we played a drinking game where we drank every time the word Tesseract was said. And <laughs> fun night. But yeah, that's that's the one I think I've seen the most times. Uh, I'm Lucas Wright, a designer from Chicago. And the, I have a tie, I have a three-way tie with Iron Man, um, Captain America for the first Avenger, and Thor Ragnarok. I've seen all of those movies three times. You really got into the theaters for Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> Made use of that <laughs> I, movie pass. I, I had to keep showing people that movie. <laughs> oh, that makes I feel sense. Like, yeah, I feel like because it was it was so different, I think, from the other ones that I just had to keep showing like, hey, guys, it's, an, it's, an, it's a really funny Marvel movie. Like, it's sure. actually funny. I promise. Sure. <laughs> well, this week, we're also really excited to have um, a fun guest with us. Um, over from the Buddy Check podcast, we have our friend Josh Tumblin. Josh, welcome hey, to the podcast. Hello. Uh, my name is Josh. I'm a professional actor and uh, playwright from Seattle, Washington. And the movie that I have seen most is Iron Man 25 times. Oh, my goodness. It, that can't be true. I saw it five times in theaters, and then I've seen it at least once I watch all of them every time a new one comes out. So. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I attempted to do that for this movie. Um, what happened was I have a friend, Linda, who only sees the Marvel movies that Thor is in because she loves Thor. So <laughs> she's seen a smattering of them, but never all of them. So we decided we were going to reintroduce, I was going to reintroduce her to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and we were going to watch all of them before F- Infinity War. Um, and then we kind of fell off around Iron Man 3, so we almost <laughs> got there. Yeah. <laughs> it's rough. I'm, I'm currently working my way through chronologically in the order the events happened in the universe. Ah, um, nice. All movies and TV shows, which is Oof. a lot. Oh, that is a lot. Yeah. Man. You got to rewatch yeah, Iron that Fist. Makes, that makes me super tired. Yeah, I'm not really <laughs> looking forward to the Iron Fist part. <laughs> right. No, 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 no. <laughs> Well, every week we like to talk about something that we've discovered or rediscovered throughout the week, um, whether that be a movie, a TV show, a song, whatever. Um, so, Josh, tell us about what you're feeling this week. This week, I am feeling John Mulaney's Kid Gorgeous special. Oh. It just went up on May 1st on Netflix. It's amazing. I saw it live when he came to Seattle, and I've been obsessed ever since. Um, he's one of my favorite comedians. I think he does such amazing work every time he puts out a new special. But this one specifically is so high energy for him. He's dealing with some more personal topics to himself than he has in the past. And I just think it's really, uh, it's a really special comedy special. I had so much fun watching this special. Um, I think the material is some of the best he's ever been. Um, And it's also so crazy to see him doing a special at Radio City. Um, Totally. The set is so stunning. I loved him in that venue. Um, the one thing about this special that I don't necessarily think is bad, but did throw me off a bit at first, was that it is much more directed than I think your standard comedy special is. Oh, There's really? The, the camera feels like it's moving a lot. There's a lot of editing in a way that I just think is, I think it's trying to, match the glamour of the venue with some of the mm-hmm. direction that is taking place. Um, 
so I had to get used to that, but the material is like so worth all the effort that's being put into yeah. the special. That's interesting. If it, yeah, if you told me that it had been out a week and I still hadn't seen it, I would have been shocked. But this week has been crazy for me and I haven't got around to it. Yeah. But I'm so excited. Yeah, like you said, he's one of my favorite comedians. He's so smart, so so charming. Like he is one of those sets that oh, just like yeah. you're just smiling at him the entire time. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm really pumped to get to to get to watch this. One of my favorite things about John Mulaney is that like he kind of makes references to his younger years where he was maybe a little bit more of a dirtbag, you know, like he did a lot of drugs and <laughs> drank a lot and yeah. was uh, and I just he you, like you said Lucas he is so charming. I really wish I could get a glimpse at like dirtbag John Mulaney and just yeah. See how much charm is still there, yeah, you know? Yeah, because because you really can't see it like now, like right. just the way he is, you know, in these specials, like you cannot see that person at all. And so, yeah, I am curious. It's like <laughs> yeah. the John F. Kennedy of comedy. Yeah, he, I mean, he is. <laughs> you know, there's something going on underneath the surface there. Sure. <laughs> Put that on the poster. He's very the John clean F. Kennedy cut, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I've oh, I've watched it once already, but I plan on watching it several more times. Yeah, that's John Mulaney's Kid Gorgeous. It's on Netflix, and it is definitely something that I'm planning on watching this week at some point. But absolutely, um, Sandra, what are you feeling this week? This week, um, I'm feeling a new musical artist, and I'm gonna fess up and just say that I heard about this musical artist this week from another podcast that I listen to, where they recommend. A lot of different pop culture things. And um, so if anyone listens to both that podcast, which is called Get Up On This, and ours, I wanted to be very clear that I am just (laughs) repurposing a recommendation I just heard. Um, um, But I'm bringing this up because on that podcast, um, they're often recommending new like hip hop artists and rappers. And that's not a genre that I typically head towards. I'm not against it, but it's not, you know, my comfort zone. And I often tend to like tune out those recommendations because a very niche rapper from Philadelphia is not someone I'm going to like really put a lot of investment in. Um, But this week um, they recommended this rapper who's from Chicago. His name is Toby Lou and that's spelled T-O-B-I and then L-O-U. And I just really fell in love with the single that they played. I want to uh, play a little bit for you. This is one of his songs called Darlin. I don't think I'm ready, no, not for that jelly, my honey, like Winnie the Pooh. That strawberry got me very temporarily out of order in a booth. I don't got nothing to do. Feel like I'm stuck in a loop. What's in your fridge? You ain't got water. Okay, the honey will do. Pitiful, pitiful. I got rituals that I keep sticking to. I got money that I should be getting to, but I just cannot get rid of you, rid of you, rid of you. I'm pitiful, pitiful. Having trouble with all my syllables. Yeah, I love you, but I'm so miserable. I'm so miserable. Ooh, range I keep falling. Don't know where my heart went. Don't tell me you lost it. Don't fuck with me. So that's a song I've had on repeat for the past week. Um, And whenever there's a song that I just like can't stop listening to, I know I need to bring it up on this podcast. Uh, In addition to like how much I love that single, I went and looked up Toby Lou and I really fell in love with his personal aesthetic, his fashion choices, the look of his music videos. It's very colorful and cute and playful. Um, he's very um, inspired and influenced by cartoons and animation. And so a lot of his album artwork and a lot of his music videos like incorporate that. Um, and so I would highly recommend looking him up on Spotify or SoundCloud, um, giving Darlin a full listen and then also giving a lot of his music videos a view. Nice. I Yeah, I've never heard of him. I'll definitely check into that. That song sounds very much like lounging in a pool type music yeah like in the middle of the summer like i'm pumped about that that sounds great for me it's been very good like dancing in your underwear in the morning brushing your teeth washing your face like starting the day off right kind of music Mm, i don't dance in the morning well we can we can work on that lucas no dancing before (laughs) noon (laughs) yeah lucas is from the town in footloose where he's still adjusting you know (laughs) 
Oh man, yeah, no. So I I am pumped about the rest of it. Uh, does he have a? Is he new? Does he have a lot of albums already out? Or no, from I what I'm the bandwagon on this before. No, no, no. From what I'm aware of, he's mostly just on SoundCloud. It looks like on Spotify, he's got like fifteen singles and one EP. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But his okay. music videos, y'all, you really need to check out the music videos because the creative like direction that he's taking with them is really much more than you expect from like an unsigned, you know, just rapper, SoundCloud rapper. They're very like well-produced and have, they're so fun to watch. Um, he, I read an interview with him where he says he really cares about music videos and that uh, the creativity he can have with, with them. He also, like I said, he really also cares about animation. And I think in addition to music, a dream career for him would be to like produce some sort of animated art no i was saying i i really like that the just like the beat behind it is so bright and sunny and like i know i feel like so much of the rap at least that i'm listening to right now and, and hip-hop is is kind of going in a darker direction which is great in its place but it's nice to have those those moments of like sunny shininess that are yeah kind of upbeat yeah he like i said he's very playful um he it, it, you can when you really pay attention to some of his lyrics, you realize that like his subject matter isn't always as playful as his sound in, which is also yeah. like really fun to nice to, juxtaposition there. So yeah, so his name is Toby Lou. Um, I found him on SoundCloud and on Spotify, and Toby is spelled T O B I. All right. Um. Well, what I'm feeling this week. Well, first I gotta say what I would probably be feeling this week if I had actually watched it is Childish Gambino's new music video, but I haven't watched that yet, so I can't wow. be feeling it yet. But You've I feel like it's it. something that I will be feeling as soon as I watch it. Sure. It's, again, it's on the list of things that I, I, I had a busy week. There's a lot I got to do. I had anyway. the exact same thought right before we started. <laughs> yeah, I'm pumped about it. I've seen some screenshots. I've seen some gifts. Am I a I, bad it, pop culture person because I have seen it and it wasn't what I was feeling this week? No, you're not. Uh, it's not shame on you, but I'm disappointed. Mm-hmm. Um, a little let down. Sure, I don't know. we sure. might not have you on again in the future. It okay. might just be me and Josh from here on out. Great. So. Oh, good. Um, I need. I need a job. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I am actually feeling, what the one thing I really have seen this week, um, is the new movie by Deborah Granick called Leave No Trace. Uh, Deborah Granick directed Winter's Bone and Discover Jennifer Lawrence. Um, she. This movie is amazing. It stars Ben Foster and. A, another new person, uh, Thomason McKenzie, as a father and daughter who uh, live in the woods um, just to get away from everybody. He's a veteran. Um, he has a lot of you know PTSD, but I feel like a lot of the like veteran PS- P- PTSD movies and stories that we hear about are very like sad and violent and that kind of stuff. And this one is much more um, I don't know beautifully per- portrayed as just tortured but still like taking care of his daughter and um just you you can see him crumbling just under the weight of um his experiences and but it's very it's very different than i think things that get portrayed in other movies that i've seen um very beautiful it's it's all shot like in the woods in like oregon and uh washington and it's just really really a beautiful movie it's very it's it's it doesn't i don't think it has like the genre stuff that um, that got a lot of pull from Winter's Bone with like the the whodunit mystery stuff. Um, this is more of just a, a very human <laughs> um, drama, and so I, I don't think it'll get um, a lot of the big buzz um, that that Winter's Bone got. But I, it's a beautiful movie, and I do think everybody should see it. So, Lucas, how did you get to see this movie? Because from what I can tell, it's not out in theaters yet. Oh, yes. This is, <laughs> it is playing right now at the Chicago Film Critics um, Film Fest, which is going on right now. So this is out June 29th everywhere. So get in line now. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Buy your tickets. Buy um, your tickets. <laughs> when I saw this movie, Lucas, I thought to myself, like, oh, this is a real Lucas movie. Just because <laughs> I feel like you're very into this, like, thoughtful look at survivalism and like and the Ben Foster of it all. I just, mm. I just really felt that you'd sure. be connected to it. Any um, movie with Ben Foster in it for sure. <laughs> right. Um, I, when I first heard about this movie, I wasn't interested because movies that about like people trying to survive in the wilderness are not mm-hmm. my cup of tea at all. But after seeing the trailer, I really was excited about it because it seems like you said, so 
like thoughtful and this really like loving father daughter story. And um, then finding out that it was directed by the woman who made Winter's Bone made me like mm. really fascinated by it. So I yeah. am excited to see this when it comes out. Yeah, it's interesting that you say because I, I am really sick of PTSD movies. I, un- yes. I understand that it's like it's a big deal and like I would love for more real life help for people with PTSD. But like, man, I'm just tired of watching movies about it. It, it, they're always, mm-hmm. It's always so depressing. But, man, I also am a huge Ben Foster fan. I'll just I'll eat up anything he does. And from what you're saying, it sounds like it's a, a more of a fresh take on that kind of situation. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's really like I've never seen PTSD kind of portrayed this way, but a lot of it is, you know, taking that, um, that pain and that fear and turning it into, you know, how can I take care of my daughter? How can I... Um, you know, really, really show her love. And so it's you, like, you, you don't get a lot of like the abuse and the fear and stuff like that, that you get from most PTSD movies. It's very, very, very different. So it's exciting. You know, rather than it being just an, just another PTSD movie, I really thought of it as just another movie with a dad that's wanting to raise their children out of civilization. Like we've seen, Captain Fantastic recently yes. and the glass castle. Yes. And I was like, wow, like, are we going to get one a year? Like one every year. <laughs> yeah. Here's the movie where the dad doesn't want their kids in civilization. And, um, those two particular movies I mentioned were really fantastic. So I'm hoping that this mm-hmm. continues that tradition. Yeah. There hasn't been a bad one. <laughs> movies about homeschoolers living in the woods. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're Can't always so smart. They're always, the kids are always yeah. just like incredibly smart. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where's the movie about um, a mom raising their really dumb kid? In the yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. what I want to see. Yeah. There's a Before we talk about Avengers, I did want us to just bring up the fact that all three of us, along with some other friends that we know, are kind of playfully competing in the Summer Movie Wager, which is a movie wager that the people from the Slash Film cast started for years ago, um, where you try to predict the top 10 box office hits of the summer. So before the summer starts, you pick your order of what the top 10 movies are going to be with a few wild cards at the end. And there's an elaborate point system for um, if you guess all these movies in the correct order. And a bunch of us are competing in it this year, including the three of us. So now that the summer has started, technically, um, how are y'all feeling about your lists? I, I wanted to be able to like uh, do a little shit talk, but then it, we're all it's all it's Infinity War. It's I mean we all <laughs> picked it and it's winning. It's that we're tied. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're all tied right yeah. now. <laughs> Everyone's tied. We're at only like two weeks in essentially. Um, <laughs> but let's let's actually go through who like what our lists are. I can start it off. Um, in number one, I have Avengers: Infinity War. Number two, I have Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom. Number three, I have The Incredibles 2. Four, I have Solo, A Star Wars Story. Five, I have Deadpool 2. Six is Mission Impossible 6. Seven is Ant-Man and the Wasp. Eight is Ocean's 8. Nine is Mamma Mia 2. And ten is Hotel Transylvania 3. And my three dark horses are Hereditary, Skyscraper, and The Meg. Lucas, what's your list? Yeah, I've got Avengers Age of Ultron in number one. I've got Incredibles 2 um, in the second slot. Then I've got Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Then Solo. Then Deadpool 2. Then Ocean's 8. Then Ant-Man. Then Mission Impossible 6. Then Hotel Transylvania 3. And then in the 10th spot, I have The Purge. Or The First Purge. Um, And then my dark horses are Mamma Mia 2. Uh, the Spy Who Dumped Me, and Tag. Oh, really, a lot of faith in Purge. I am regretting that a little bit right now. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, what's your list look like? Um, I've got Avengers Infinity War at number one, Solo at number two, Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom three, Incredibles 2 at four, Deadpool 2 at five. Uh, I've got Ant-Man at the Wasp at, uh, at six, MI6 at seven, 
uh, Mamma Mia 2 at 8. Um, Christopher Robin at 9. That's my regret. Um, <laughs> Hotel Transylvania at 10. And then my dark horses are Tag, Skyscraper, and um, Ocean's 8. Yeah, so you, Josh and Lucas, both of y'all are some of the only two people that I know that do not have Jurassic World as your number two yeah. pick. Yeah, I I think Incredibles is gonna pull pull it out. Um, also, possibly Solo. I'm now kind of wishing I'd put Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom at three and Solo at number three. Or, or sorry, Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom at number four and Solo at number three. I think Jurassic World is the only thing that could possibly come in second over Solo, but I don't see it happening. Yeah, I I, mean, I, don't, I, I don't think people hate Star Wars as much as they say they do online. Sure. I, I don't think yeah. people hate Star yeah. Wars as much as they say they do, but um, I just I don't know how good Solo's gonna be yet. I'm so I don't have a good feeling about it. I don't have a bad feeling about it either. I just um, I'm hesitant. I don't know. We're I'm excited. I'm excited to see how it all shakes out. Um, I do think that like even though I put Incredibles as number three, that we always underestimate Pixar. Like everyone, you know, it's a yeah. lesson that we always fail, you know, fail to learn is that Pixar will knock the socks off of its competition. Um, I also, I want to point out that um, when you, when you average out all the people that have submitted their lists to this competition, there's a website where you can track everything. If you're interested in following along, um, the Twitter account is, um, I think it's, let's see, some movie W, I think is what the Twitter account is called. Wow, that's difficult. <laughs> yes, some movie like W. Yes. It rolls right off the tongue. Right. And so you yeah. can find the website from that account. Um, but if you average out all, everyone's lists this year, um, my list is exactly the same as the average person's list, numbers one through eight. And then number nine, their number nine and my number 10 are the same pick. So I have nine out of 10 of the average user. So I'm feeling pretty good about my list right now. Now, that's not a foolproof way of winning, but <laughs> I'm excited about it. See, I have 10 out of 10 of my picks, and I feel really good about that. <laughs> I chose the same top 10 as Josh Tumblin, and I feel like that's probably... It, that's yeah, well. has that been I a winning strategy for you in the past? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh -huh, Great. Uh -huh. Yeah, I picked all the same as the person who's going to win this year, so oh, I, perfect. Think, I think it's going to work out. So, yeah, <laughs> y'all are doing really well so far. Um, I want to point out a few movies that are like... Only one person picked these movies out of all the people I'm oh. following. I'm following all the Slash Film participants. And then you two, as well as our friend Lawson, um, Lawson's brother Lane, Lucas's wife Rebecca. Um, so I'm the only person that's picked Hereditary. Um, I know that that is a really, really, you know, long shot. Yeah. Rebecca is the only per has two picks that no one else has considered yeah. in her wild card. Yep. Um, she has Uncle Drew and Book Club. And I really am excited for next week, I think it is, when Book Club is out in theaters. And so technically she's beating all of us because it's going to be on the board. <laughs> <laughs> and if that's going to last for like oh, one man. week where because of Book Club, yeah, yeah. she's going to be ahead <laughs> of all of us. Um, and then that's I true. think, Lucas, did you have one? You have the spy, yeah, who, have dumped the spy who dumped me. Yeah, so, Lucas, that does not I really look good. Think I, I don't. I, yeah, I'm now that I'm actually like looking at the calendar of when this comes out. It's not gonna. It's not gonna make the list. Yeah, but that's <laughs> fine because my actual ten will be all there. Great. So great. It, the and dark horses don't matter. You all seem to have a lot of faith in Tag. Um, that's a movie that I'm excited to see, but I don't expect to make a ton of money. It's a. I think it could surprise. My, it's my third dark horse for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Same. Gotcha. <laughs> it's one of those that like it could happen, but and I don't want to like miss out on it if it does. But I'm I like I definitely don't think it'll make more than. Well, I'm, I was going to say the purge, but who knows? Yeah. Ugh. Well, I'm excited to see how this plays out. It's so um, crazy that we have to wait like three months now before we can really 
figure out who's winning, but um, I'm going to be checking it every week. <laughs> I'm just refreshing the page just so people have some context right now. So far, Avengers, and this is domestic box offices, so Avengers has made over $450 million, and the summer just got started. So Tune in in August to yep, absolutely. see it really kick in. Right. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about Avengers. Let's yes, I'm ready. This movie has the most amount of people I have ever seen in a movie before. Um, there are, what, like 20 people above the line on this Marvel movie? I thought it was 30, um, but I'm not. This is, yeah, this is an incredible achievement, just to say, just to start off, like, of this even happening. This has been 10 years in the making. We have Marvel kind of building this franchise that turned into a cinematic universe that actually has culminated in a movie where everybody gets together and hangs out for a bit. Um, yeah, they're just hanging out. They're just chilling. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's all that happens in the movie. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I I think first let's I mean again there's so much in this movie that to talk through. So first, just what are your overall opinions? How did you feel going into this movie? How did you feel coming out of this movie? Going into this movie, I felt obligated to see it, excited but obligated. You know, I think we had this conversation um, after um, around Spider Man with some of my friends. It's where we're just saying like, look, by this point. You're either in on the universe or you're out. You're either watching every Marvel movie when it comes out every single time um, or you're not. And they're not playing a lot of catch up anymore. And so for this movie coming out, I felt like, okay, all this work I put in of watching every single Marvel movie, here it is. Here's (laughs) I have to go see how it all comes together. Um, And I was excited because I like the Russo brothers as directors. Um, uh, Captain America is my favorite of the Avengers and I knew he was going to be in this one. So I was excited to see him again. Um, that's how I felt going into the movie coming out. I felt really impressed. Like you mentioned earlier with just the accomplishment that this movie is organizationally, just, um, the effort that is, it, it requires to write a story with this many characters merging, um, just seeing them, what I think they pulled it off in a successful fashion, you know, whether you love or like this movie, I think most people are on board that it is decent. You know, it's no one's saying that it's like an awful movie. They made the movie and that in in and of itself is quite an achievement. So I definitely felt that. And then I felt also a little um, shocked in a pleasant way at the ending, which we can talk about more later. Um, shocked at their choices, um, how thoughtful and, um, how thoughtful I thought the ending was. So Mm -hmm. that, that I want to say, start off by saying that, and we can talk more about it later. Yeah. There's a lot to spoil in this movie. I feel like, um, and so we won't be talking a lot of plot until we get into spoiler sections. So yeah. Josh, what about you? I I feel like I have to, I have to preface first. I'm, I've already warned uh, Sandra about this. I am the least qualified person to talk critically about this movie. Um, going into this, uh, Avengers Infinity War is basically if someone broke into my childhood, stole every toy I had, and then made a billion dollar movie with them. Like, that's, that's what this movie is for me. Like, I've been reading Marvel comics since I was three. Like, I would, like, look at Spider-Man comic pictures and assume what the story was before I knew how to read. Um, but yeah, just, like, I think before even talking about the quality of the movie or the universe or any of that, just the management of egos that had to go into this movie happening is an astonishing feat. Not to say anything negative about anyone who is starring in or involved in the movies, but like there's a certain amount of ego that comes with being famous. And to get this many people on board for this small amount of screen time is like, 
that's a big deal. And uh, everyone involved in that needs to be commended for that. Um, totally. But yeah, go, going into it, I was, you know, I'm, I was really excited. This is, you know, this is what we've been waiting six years for or 10 years for, or for some of us, 30 years for. And like <laughs> coming out of it, I just felt I, there was a sense of satisfaction with what I had seen as measured up to expectations that I really haven't felt in a superhero movie ever, um, which was really nice. I mean, uh, there are there have been other superhero movies that I've really enjoyed, but I think Batman Begins is the only other one that I can remember going in and having high expectations and having every one of those expectations met. And that's how I felt about Infinity War. Nice. Um, for me, going in, I... I feel like every Marvel movie, I'm on the, I'm on the verge of having Marvel fatigue, um, <laughs> and yeah. each one su- surprises me, and I'm like, oh, I really like that. That was a lot of fun. Um, but then by the time the next one comes around, and I don't know if it's the marketing or just like the fact that there are so many of these that by the time it actually comes up, I'm like, oh my gosh, okay, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do this. But I come out of them all liking them. Um, I think this is the first one that I was not excited for but i didn't have marvel fatigue mostly because of how much i liked spider-man thor ragnarok and black panther the last three those are the last three right yep yeah 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 um the last three marvel movies to come out um how different they were and how um i think fun (laughs) i had with them Uh, but this one just because of the logistics of it i was like i do not think i'm gonna like this movie i really don't um and i did and i realized i am judging all of these movies against other marvel movies um they've become not not just their own genre but their own i think category of media their own standard i'm not judging them against yeah it's true i'm not judging us against you know oscar winners i'm not saying like oh compared to um you know get out is this a good movie? I'm just saying compared to other Marvel movies, not even other superhero movies, but other Marvel movies, how do I feel about this? Which is impressive from Disney's perspective. Like that's what they want. They don't want you to be like trying to compare this to other things. It should be all within the universe. Um, And that's super impressive. And I had a lot of fun with this movie. Um, I keep talking again, I keep talking about how many people are in this movie, but it never feels like, um, like there are too many people. It feels like there are a lot, but it never feels to me that like there are too many. It just keeps about, ba- it keeps the pace correct and just kind of bounces back and forth between them. Um, pairs up people that you haven't seen together before, which is a lot of fun. Um, and just al- always is always keeps you excited about what's happening next, which I thought is <laughs> such a feat to accomplish with something like this. Yeah. I mean, like you said, Lucas, it never felt crowded. I felt like um, when you go into a Marvel movie and, like a, an Avengers movie per se when and you know all of these people because we've been watching them for like 18 movies before um you're ready for each player to like have a moment to shine and mm-hmm. I think this movie did a good job of giving everyone like a moment you know some characters get a lot more scenes than others some get a lot more featured um but everyone has like at least one or two moments where it's like you see what their character means. You see them in action. Um, the actor didn't just show up for nothing. Yeah, everybody gets a set piece. Oh, totally. I also want to. I want to say something about what you said, Lucas, about Marvel being their own genre, not really competing with anything else, which I think is really interesting. And you're you're dead on. And I think that's something that Disney is doing really well with all of these different companies that they've been, uh, you know, absorbing, Borg style. Um, <laughs> it was like like Star Wars. I feel the same way about the Star Wars movies right i'm not comparing those to other uh, obviously i'm not comparing them to yeah i'm not comparing it to sci-fi i'm not comparing it to other fantasy i'm comparing it to other star wars when solo comes out i'm not gonna say is this as good as annihilation i'm gonna say is this as good as rogue one right and and i feel like that is that is exactly where these big franchises want to be and the fact that disney has been able to do that with two huge franchises is huge yeah i mean if you're only competing against yourself you're always the winner yeah yeah, that's, um, that's what Nintendo has been doing in the video game space for decades, and it's working great for them, too. So, yeah. So was there anything about Avengers Infinity War without going into spoilers that didn't stick well with you that that, you know, you rolled your eyes at or that, um, you know, they don't you don't think that they really nailed uh, the thing that sticks out for me. And it's not really a problem with Infinity War so much as it is um, in my theater. When Captain America showed up, everyone stood up and cheered. <laughs> And I was so and I was so mad because I am Team Iron Man. 
Sure. Oh. <laughs> I was just like, come He's on. He's so beloved. Oh, yeah, but he was also so <laughs> he wrong. He beloved. Mm. I, mm, we're not going to get into this debate. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, for, for me, I think the biggest, I, there's a lot that I want to talk about in spoilers about what I, the, you know, my, my problems with this movie. Yeah. Um, but I think in a situation like this, when you can't, you know, have an arc for every single character and you can't develop everyone as much as you want to. Um, choosing which characters actually get a full arc and which ones we get to see um, kind of <laughs> in the foreground for the most part. I think the people that they pulled to the front did a great job, the actors and everything like that, but I don't feel like the story arcs um, were well written enough to kind of deserve them being that fo- those foreground characters. I also have a hard time judging this without seeing um, Avengers 4. We still don't have a name for it, but whatever that... I, this To me, it feels like a movie, but it also feels like a two-part movie. I don't feel like you could judge The Godfather without seeing The Godfather 2. Um, and... I not to compare this to the Godfather, but I kind of feel the same way about this. Like we're going to think completely differently about this movie once the next movie comes out. So I, my palms could be answered later, but right now that's kind of how I feel about it. This, the way I felt at the end of this movie reminded me a lot of the way I felt at the end of the, of the Harry Potter movie, the Deathly Hallows part one. Um, in that, like, you obviously know that like this is not the end of the story. You feel it very much at the end of, at the end of the movie that like this is only half of the story. Um, there's a somberness at the end of like Deathly Hallows that feels incomplete and that I actually kind of relished. Um, and Deathly Hallows Part One is one of my favorite movies in that franchise, and um, this uh, those memories are part of why I think I enjoyed infinity war a lot um like i think like you mentioned lucas it just it is i know that they're not calling it part one and part two anymore but it very Mm -hmm. clearly that is what that's the case um yeah whether it's in the title or not that is what this movie is it feels very very much like a part one um which i happen to like but i can also understand some people being frustrated by that i like it a lot and it feels a lot like a comic book i mean i feel like i feel like they've They've uh, taken, you know, they started this with, like, let's make a comic book feel like a movie with Iron Man. And now we're to the point where, like, we're making these movies feel more like comic books. Yeah. With these crossovers, yep. with, yep. The, you know, the, just the way the story is told. Like, this feels like a comic book. And what they've done is they've taken 10 years to get us to the point where we're comfortable watching comic books play out on screen, which is incredible. Sure. <laughs> exactly what I was about to say. This movie feels more like a comic than any of the other movies in the series have. Especially with the mm-hmm. way that it ends, you know, a lot of a lot of these big big event comic books end on a very dour note, and what happens in the aftermath as the new comics shoot off is the resolution. And in that way, it was very satisfying to me as a longtime comic book reader to be like, yeah, I'm I'm used to my stories ending this way and then going yes. on from that, <laughs> right? Uh, and know, starting too, this too way, we kind of we. We start in the middle, and we don't um, really get a lot of explanation as to what's happened before. Yeah, right. kind of like what what you said before, Sandra is like if you're in on Marvel, you're in on Marvel, and we're just going to assume that you've watched these. I wanted to bring up a few very minor things that I had issues with this movie. Um, one is that, and this is a problem I have with almost any movie where there is action sequences, is that these movies have. A, like a bad habit in my opinion of you know there's typically like in a typical action movie there's like one girl on the team you know and <laughs> in, in in this universe there's more than one but when you compare to like how many men are on the team it's still very minimal the amount of like women are that are on the team and what yeah. this movie does that almost every action movie does is the yeah. one girl on the team fights the one girl villain on the other team on the opposing team <laughs> and they only like they have these action sequences where like on, the, only the girls can fight against each other you know and i i always just roll my eyes at that because what it's really saying and i and i can appreciate the concept of we don't want to watch you know captain america like beat up a woman, you know, (laughs) and I can appreciate that sentiment, but at the same time, it does make me roll my eyes that like, if there's this 
ultimate villain squad that, like, the only person that they're going to let fight the female villain is the other girls on the team. It always just is silly to me. Um, so that's a very, very minor thing that I noticed during the movie. I, one of I, I 100% agree that when, when, when that came up, I thought the exact same thing. Yeah, the, same. The, 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 the only, the only thing that I will, I guess, to defend that is earlier in the movie, those people all fight people and it's flipped around. So Captain America does fight a girl earlier in the movie and, <laughs> um, well, this is all spoiler stuff, I guess. But sure. Scarlett Johansson fights the guy or whatever. But. Yeah. Well, the, that's the other thing. It's like they'll always let the female hero beat a male villain, you know, but it's it's the other way around that they don't let it happen is that they never mm, let a male yeah. v- hero like we we've only just recently allowed them to do that in the comics. And we are obviously so terrified <laughs> of letting them do it on the screen. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, the oh, other man. big issue that I have is that. Marvel does a lot of things really well. They do action. They do humor. They do um, some really great character work. What they do horribly is romance. And every moment in this movie (laughs) where they tried to shoehorn in like a little bit of romance, which it just didn't work, in my opinion. Um, The only romantic connections that I feel have been successful in this in the entire franchise are Tony Stark's and Pepper Potts. I do believe in that relationship and the Mm -hmm. chemistry that's there. And then the one that they are not purposely producing is, and I've said it before, I'll say it again, is with Steve Rogers and Bucky. Like, I feel like there is a chemistry there that no other romantic couple has in this universe. And and it, even in the tiniest interactions that we got with them in this movie, um, I felt it as well. And so everything else, whether they're obviously trying to push on a romance, is um, just very lackluster for me. And I'm someone that loves romance. I want romance in these franchises. I just want them to put a little bit more thought and energy into them. Yeah, the the problem is they've they've put a lot of work into the Tony and Pepper thing through three Iron Man movies and then little snippets in Avengers. Like, he he talks about her even when she's not in a movie. Right. And so, like, we've put the legwork in there. The the one that really bothered me is, I guess this is all spoilery now. Guys, we're in the spoiler section. If you haven't seen this movie, which I think at this point, like, four people in the world haven't. So, (laughs) we're doing this. Great. Go. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Are you paying attention? It's your last chance to walk away. Let me tell you what's going to happen. No. Cracking gas. Spoilers. Remember wanted this the uh the scarlet witch vision relationship really irked me like a lot and they are like one of the classic couples in the comics they like they have this on and off again thing that's been going since the 70s but like we have done no work on that at all (laughs) we they disappear In, after after Civil War, and then they come back, and they've been dating for two years and living together. And I'm, I, 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 you can't. It's a it's a classic example of them telling me something and not showing it. They've done yeah. nothing to show me that those two characters are in love. Yeah, and especially I mean, with the plot hinging so hard on them being in love. Right. I think that's the ultimate issue. Is that like I do feel like they have chemistry with each other. I love Paul Bettany, so any kind of romantic tension with him, I want to be included because <laughs> he's great and dreamy, and I also would have a problem saving humanity if it meant giving up Paul Bettany. Um, <laughs> but like you said, if we had gotten a little bit more buildup, then that ending of her having to like sacrifice her love would have meant so much more. Um it, and it wouldn't have taken much more buildup. It just literally no, yeah. anything before just this movie. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, that was an issue. I think the thing that bothers me the most is like the very awkward moment between like, you know, Scarlett Johansson and Mark Ruffalo, where they kind of like barely reference, oh yeah, we tried to push these two characters together strangely and then tore them apart and then never did anything else again with it. But we have to address that. And that I, I, again, just kind of rolled my eyes at, um, the Gamora and 
Peter Quill stuff, I felt a little bit more on board with. Again, because we've had that buildup. You know, we've had two movies mm-hmm. with them where there's been a connection and flirting and, and for that to kind of resolve in this movie made sense. Yeah, it's close enough that I'm not bothered by it. It's not great, but, right. you know. Right, right. Yeah. Um, I will say that I was surprised at what a key figure Gamora was in this movie. I and I I am as well, and that I think really comes down to how they portrayed Thanos, like just how they how much they built him up. Because they're like during the marketing of this movie, I, this whole time I was like, he is just going to be the worst villain. We've like tried to build him up as like the biggest bad over all these like cutscenes in these movies, right. and we just know nothing about him. But the fact that they built him up so much, I think, really helped. By, by pulling Gamora into it and, like, just showing us their relationship, I think, helped make him actually good in this movie. Yeah. And I think that, that segues well into the, the one problem that I had with the movie, which is the whole... And I understand what they were going for, and but I just think it was not pulled off well. The whole abusers really love their victims situation with the soul stone really got to me yeah to where to where it's like he's literally he's been abusive her whole life but it turns out she's really the only thing he loves and i understand that what they're going for is like this is the closest thing to love he even understands like that's how far gone he is but it just man it didn't it did not read well to me Mm. yeah i i felt uncomfortable with it but i also felt uncomfortable at her not realizing it um because like when you, when you, when they get to that that point in the movie and you know it says you have to sacrifice the one thing you love and he turns around and looks at her at that point I feel like the whole audience knows that yeah. it's her that's why she's here for this I don't want to be that far takes, ahead of a character yeah it takes so long for her to realize and it just like it does not work with how her character has been in the past like um, <laughs> she's she's super smart in all these movies but in this instance you know she laughs at him and like ah you don't love anything and we're like no we. We see right. what's happening here. So it, that, that part felt really, I don't know, awkward and clumsy. I will say, though, I, I love that she is such a focal point in this. I think the biggest mistake, one of the biggest mistakes made in the universe is having her not be the central character of the Guardians movies. Yeah, I agree. And That's... so for her to take this role in this movie and mm-hmm. hopefully when she's inevitably not dead, um, moving forward as well. <laughs> Yeah, that's really interesting. I never even considered that as a possibility. And now hearing that, you're right. That would have been a fascinating... She would be a fascinating protagonist for this team. Um, yeah. Because she has this backstory with Thanos. She has this amazing dynamic with her sister that I has, have always found so compelling. That their relationship. Yeah, it's um, so good. Yeah. yeah, and you're right. She would have been such a great protagonist for this team. Um yeah, now I'm not that I like, don't love Chris Pratt and Kurt Russell. Sure, but, but <laughs> yeah, but in, but also in a franchise that is sorely lacking for female protagonists, yeah. what a missed opportunity. Yeah, and, and Chris Pratt, you can see him be the protagonist of three different franchises that aren't Marvel. So. <laughs> of course, yeah, yeah. Um, I also think Chris Pratt is very like cookie cutter for these movies. Like seeing him for the first time talk to Thor, getting to see like, oh, he's kind of a ripoff of Thor, yeah. like his character in these movies. And, oh, he's also kind of a ripoff of Iron Man. You know, he's like, when he gets to meet these guys, you're kind of like, oh, he's kind of just the lesser version of these pe- other people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I agree. And the whole time yeah, I, was like, I was like, yeah, Gamora, Gamora would work better as kind of the head of that group right. as opposed to him. Right. I thought I thought for the most part, this movie did a pretty good job of keeping everyone, because let, let, like everyone in the Marvel Universe is pretty quippy. But mm-hmm. I thought this movie did a really good job, and Civil War too before it, of of keeping everyone you know enough different that they have their own kind of specific version of that. Um, but yeah, your Star Lord is the exception. He just kind of he kind of blurs so mm-hmm. much in yeah. this movie. Yeah, I I say, and I don't think it's Chris Pratt's fault at all. I I think just like that character is not underdeveloped, but almost too close to other people in this universe. Um, And it just, exactly. And it doesn't work as well. Mm. So, um, so let's finally talk about the ending, how this whole thing wrapped up and who died and who you think is staying dead. Uh, let's, yeah, let's go for it. Well, let's talk first about the three major deaths that happened before the snap. Okay. Mm, So 
We have Loki dies right at the beginning. What was that noise? I'm just so sad. Yeah, no, me too. Because I, tr- I truly love Loki. He's one of my favorite figures in this in the Marvel universe. Um, the one thing that makes me feel better about this is that he truly has been in so many of these movies. As you know, when you consider what a typical villain's run is, and yeah. I feel like he really his story did feel like it came to a natural conclusion. Um, I just feel like we yanked uh, for me. We just yanked him around so much with like, oh, is he going to be actually friends with Thor? No, he betrays him. Ah, I agree. Ah. And yeah. then we finally are like, they're brothers at the end of Ragnarok. They work together and they love each other. And he dies. Yeah. And it's just like, come on, man. <laughs> yeah. Give me one movie but where he he's dies a good guy for his brother. Yeah. I and and I understand and it's great and it's a good beat. But I just want it. I want it to happen one movie later. You know, sure. I want one movie where I mean, he's, he's not ever he's, the villain. He's pretty great. Okay. So then we have Gamora that dies, um, mm-hmm. um, and which we've talked about. And then right before the snap, we have um, Vision that is killed. Right. So out of those three, which ones do we think are permanent? So I, I'll start. I don't think Gamora's dead at all. I don't think she died. Okay. Um, in the, this is, maybe we're getting a little too inside baseball, but in the comics, no, this is comic knowledge. Yeah. yeah in the comics, it. the, um, the soul stone specifically, um, has a whole world, a whole reality within it. Um, and you'll notice at the end of the movie, um, the very last thing when he snaps his fingers, right? You see Thanos and Gamora, young Gamora, and the whole landscape is orange, which is the same color as the soul stone. Yes. Um, and so the theory, the working theory is based on the comic, um, based on the comic knowledge that 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 whole conversation is real and happening in soul world um which is like a, so she would her basically her consciousness is trapped inside the soul stone she's not actually dead she's part of the stone at this okay point. i think that would make sense i think it's pretty ballsy to kill her off in this movie um especially so james gunn sense. james gunn keeps saying she's yeah. the main character of guardians 3 so great so yeah Sure. And so, <laughs> so she's coming back. I think that the Loki death is a permanent death. Um, I think that they reference it in, in the movie. You know, Thanos kind of has a sly yep. phrase where he says no resurrections this time. I think that that's the franchise's right. way of telling us, like, this is the end. Um, I, I agree, yeah. especially with Thor's line later. He's, he's like, he's died before, but I think I think it was real this time. Sure. That um, really makes me think you're right. Vision is the one where I think it's very questionable. I think that there's like I I have no clue the permanence of it. Um, I think obviously. So let's also talk about like the snap because I, I think it ties hand in hand with it. Um, so obviously at the you know when Thanos snaps his fingers, half of the population of the universe is evaporated, uh, including a lot of our Avengers. And these are a lot of them are ones that we know have sequels coming up and and that we are fairly sure are coming back to the franchise in some way or another. Um, It's none of the originals. Right. So there's all of the originals survive, basically. And no one that's not does. Right. So there's Black Panther, Spider-Man, almost all of the Guardians of the Galaxy, with the exception of Rocket. Like, yeah. Sucks to be him. Yeah. Oh, Bucky. yeah. That's an, that's interesting. I didn't think about that, about him being the only survivor. Truly yeah. the only one, which is so bizarre. Because um, you really expect it to be like half of the team. Maybe it's because right. he's doing it by race. And so since he's the only one. <laughs> yeah. He's like, well, I can't kill he that can't guy. die. Oh, yeah. How crazy would it be if part of event, like the finale of this is like Thanos can't have any control over rocket because he's like his own species. You know, if there was some sort of loophole <laughs> where like the end oh, of the man, day, kill half of him. he's the f- like final savior because he's literally the only one of his kind. <laughs> what, here's here, that plays into my, what I want to happen, which is I, I want the movie Avengers four to end with rocket taking Thanos's arm. He's collecting body parts. Oh. anyway. <laughs> yes. See, I want him to take Bucky's arm. I really do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Um, so obviously leaving at the end of seeing this movie, 
you know that these people aren't permanently dead because you know about all these sequels. And yet I really felt like that ending worked in a very tragic way because regardless of whether they're coming back, you get to see what all those other characters are experiencing without yes. that knowledge. You get to see that pain yes. and that fear. Um, you get to see the very first one is Stephen Bucky, you know, of where mm-hmm. like all of a sudden, like the love of his life has like disappeared, um, yep. which is something that's happened to him before, you know, and then you, and then one by one, you just start to see all these people, people's horrified faces as their loved ones and partners and friends are, you know, vanishing. And then it culminates in that amazing moment with like Spider-Man and Tony Stark, oh, which Tom yeah. Holland is yeah. like, man, mwah, just. They really did it They're, right with him. Yeah. They are both acting That's the true. heck out of that scene. Yeah. I heard a rumor that Tom Holland improvised the line, I'm sorry. I heard that as I well. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised. That kid so is a genius. good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that ending was really, I think, special to me. To see the amount of, like, pain and, like, it was very quietly done, which I thought was also mm-hmm. like a really yeah, smart no choice. Music in the background. Um, and then to end on Thanos, just like at peace. Um, I, I the ending really, really worked for me. Yeah, same here. I think for me, the one thing that could have made this movie better, and I don't think it would have been a movie that other people liked, but I think it would have made it a better movie, <laughs> is if they'd is if they'd actually like completely taken everything from Thanos' perspective. We got a lot from his perspective, but if this had just been a POV movie for, for Thanos, and we get to meet every, all of these characters through him. Yeah. So with him the like entire Like a Thanos time. film noir. Exactly, exactly. Um, I don't, like, we wouldn't have gotten some of these awesome moments, but I just think it would have been an interesting view. Sure. That would have been they, really they, they developed him so much that we actually, I, like, I don't think we ever, like, agree with him but we but we like we feel it like when when you see him at peace at the end like you have an emotional reaction to that which i think i would never have guessed we'd get coming into this movie yeah i think i think they've they've made some some big changes to thanos from the comics the movies and i think all of them are excellent um the Mm -hmm. the the new motivation for him because in the comics he just wants to impress a girl like that's the whole yeah point of everything. Um, but for this, for it to be yeah. like, for him to view himself as a savior. And then we get to see a much more subtle look at his madness based on that, in that he gets the power of the infinity gauntlet. And he's like, yeah, kill half the population instead of double the production of all foodstuffs. Like yeah. <laughs> to see, to see that and the way his thought processes work and this, it, it, it almost makes him, um, a kind of a tragic figure in some ways of where he really wants, he like honestly believes he's doing what's right. And he's just gone so far down this path that he can't see what he's actually doing anymore. I think it's really fascinating. Yeah. I want to run by y'all my understanding slash theory of the ending of this movie and just see if like we're on the same page. Um, So my understanding is that, Doctor Strange runs through all the possibilities, you know, mm-hmm. and the 14 million possibilities, and they only win in one. And so when he lets um, Thanos get the time stone and Tony Stark is like, dude, why'd you do that? He says to Tony Stark, it was the only way. And then when yeah. Doctor Strange disappears, he says, I'm sorry, it had to be this way. So my understanding is that he's in the one possibility he saw where they won he saw all of this happen. Um, yeah, the only way they win the Infinity War is by losing the Infinity Battle. Right. Um, yeah. And so, obviously, we're all expecting something to come into play with the Time Stone, where they turn back in time to prevent the snap from happening, is what my prediction is. I think they just get everybody... Because if... I don't know. This 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 could be wrong, but my assumption also with the Soul Stone situation is I, I watched the movie a second time, and in the second time, the same, I guess, audio cue that happens when Thanos first gets the Soul Stone happens when it, people are disappearing. Um, and so my thought is, it kind of, kind of jumps off onto um, Josh's thought with these people being trapped in the Soul Stone. Um, now, when we see Thanos with Gamora, there's not a bunch of other people hanging out, but um, it could be that that's where these people are 
trapped and we just get them out of there as opposed to turning back time and the snap not happening. I, I think that's pretty likely as yeah. opposed to rewinding time. Mm, okay. I've also heard a theory from someone that, you know, the phrase, we don't trade lives and a soul for a soul are like repeated throughout this movie. And yeah. that yeah. the big saving moment is that a lot of the original cast or, or people that are in the Marvel Cinematic Uni- Universe are going to trade their lives to, for the people that had been snapped. Yeah. Um, which <laughs> I think is compelling and, you know, would be a really thoughtful and emotional story. But the only problem with that is that like, so does that mean the rest of these movies are just going to exist where the rest of the world is dealing with the fact that half the population is gone? I have a hard time coming to terms with that, that, um, that that's going to be a permanent folk, like monument in time for like all just the regular people of earth. Um, I I expect that Avengers four will be largely um, the original Avengers, you know, fixing whatever's happening, and I think we will we'll get that trading lives thing, in the sense of you know Steve dying and probably I assume Clint Barton as well and a couple of other people, <laughs> um, but. But I, I can't imagine them leaving half the population of the universe. Dead. That's no, why no. I was really expecting there to be some turn back in time, as well as the fact that, like, at the end of the credits, we have that call back to Captain Marvel, um, yeah. who is obviously the movie that is being made about her is set in the 90s. So there's going to be some sort of time travel element, I would imagine. Um, and so... Knowing that she is who is coming to rescue us also makes me think that there's going to be a time travel element to this whole snap. Who knows? Yeah, we're all just... We shall see. We're all just talking out of our butts, so... <laughs> um, but this is this is fun. Like, this is one of the right. Marvel movies that, like, that's, we, that's don't, we don't point. usually speculate after Marvel movies. Like, we don't get this time to just be like, what's going to happen next? Right. Like, yeah, it's again, mostly the 15-second like, tag at the end that we get to speculate on. Sure. That's it. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah, like, this feels like a comic conversation. Right. Which is cool. I want to know, who are y'all's MVPs of the movie? Thor. Yeah, obviously Thor. Okay, gotcha. Lucas? I think, yeah, I think it's clearly Thor. For, for me, it's, for me, it's uh, Brolin. Like Thanos, sure. I think I was like that. He jumped so far up the ladder on how on my perception of him from the beginning to the end of this movie. Yeah, he's great. Do you have any least valuable players for Infinity War? Quill. Peter Quill is useless in this movie. <laughs> and if he were not in it, I would not have even noticed. He, I don't think he has a lot of good lines. I don't think he has a lot of, you know, interesting stuff to do either. So I'm going to say not because of the actress, but I don't feel like they ever make proper use of Nebula. Um, I feel like there's so much interesting story there to be mined that they, they always just kind of shove her off to the side in these movies and so that is something that I wish that they would develop more. And the fact that she is one of the few left alive um, after mm-hmm. the snap, I'm hopeful that that means in the next movie she plays she a main. She do stuff. Yeah, she gets to play a main part in taking down Thanos and saving her sister. That would be great. I think for me, um, I would say rather than least valuable player, I'm going to say uh, most underutilized. Sure. Um, is <laughs> I think Ebony Maw. Yes. Man. That is, he was, he is we, we didn't even talk about the Black Order. Yeah, he, he was my <laughs> favorite so, of all of those. He was so the rad. The only good one. <laughs> He's one of the most interesting characters to me in the comic version of Infinity and you know the whole situation with Thanos. Ebony Maw is a really fascinating character. Um, and yeah, he's just so... It's, he's uh, almost dealt with as a non-threat once we get actually get to it. Yeah. Man, I was so into every scene he was in. I was kind of sad to see him go so soon. Seriously, yeah. I was really shocked that he died that fast. I think all of them. Yeah. liked him a lot. I think all of the Black Order were underutilized. Sure. Oh, there's also Hulk underutilized. <laughs> <laughs> I'm which, very curious to see how that turns out. Which I actually think um, was a good choice. I like that, yeah. that decision. I, yeah. I liked Banner actually getting to, you know, be Banner in this movie, and I'm I'm yeah, I'm really curious how that 
ends up. Oh yeah, the new turn of him of him trying to become the Hulk. That's new. That's yeah. not something that he does. And the Hulk not to come out. Oh, it's so much. Right. It's the, so the Hulk like like taking a stand and like refusing to yeah. come out like very specifically. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited to see where that that little thread line goes. Definitely. All right. Okay. Well, cool. Anything else? Oh, I do. I do want to say. Um, sorry, real quick before we wrap up, there was oh, yeah. a, somebody tweeted. I think it was Lawson, uh, summed up all of my thoughts at the end of this movie, which is um, he said. I think he said Infinity War isn't the best movie I've ever seen, but it is the best season finale I've ever seen. That's and yeah. That that is exactly how I feel about this movie. I think that's a great point in that it really it tied up a lot, and then it also left us wondering. And um, I'm really. Really excited for Captain Marvel now, which I wasn't before. Um, I was kind of vaguely <laughs> interested in it before. And I'm very interested in the timeline of Ant-Man and oh, yeah. what what that world is going to look like in the aftermath yeah. of Infinity War. <laughs> well, Ant-Man and the Wasp takes place before this. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see how it feels watching yeah. that movie knowing what we know about knowing that half the people are going to be gone sure or that just be looking at every crowd scene and being like it's you and you or even just like tonally you know like yeah it's such a different tone than what we just witnessed and for them to be so close together i'm just that's really true interested in how that's going to play off one another yeah that is going to be a little bit jarring to jump back into very jokey especially ant-man's version of jokey right i also keep accidentally wanting to call it ant-man and the wasp lady um, but that's not <laughs> what it's called. I like that. I think that should be it yeah. for sure. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that about wraps it up for us. I think so. Um, so until next time, um, we'd love to hear from you guys on Twitter at feeling it pod on Facebook, facebook.com slash feeling it pod. Let us know what you guys thought of Avengers infinity war. Um, and your theories for what happens next. Uh, but if you don't anything, don't actually spoil it. But just just theories. Um, individually, where can we find you guys online? You can find me on all social media platforms at Sandra Amstutz. My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. Uh, you can find me on most social media platforms, but mostly um, talking about wrestling on Twitter uh, at the Badge Josh. <laughs> Oh, and you can find me everywhere this week, uh, mostly talking about the Chicago Film Critic or what is it? Chicago Critics Film Fest um, this week on Twitter. Man, I'm having a hard time today. <laughs> I'm at Lucas and stuff at the end. Great. All right. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Thank you. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon. Okay. That's it. Go home. Yep. Moving along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people. 